Hello and welcome to Spiritually Queer with me, your host, Jane Lyon, where we talk about all things that intersect queer life and the spiritual path. We'll be exploring everything from sexuality to new age spiritualism, while of course keeping things rooted in tradition and celebrating queer liberation as human liberation. This is a warm and inclusive space for all to come and explore their queerness, their spirituality, and to live in devotion to creating a new earth. Shambhala is right here in front of us. Are you ready to dive in? Hello and welcome to Spiritually Queer, my brand new show, me, your host. I'm Jane Lyon. And today I have a wonderful special guest, Miss Vibe with Aid, is I feel like how everyone's going to think of her. Um, Aid Ramos, I'm so, so excited to have you here today. Um, before I let you introduce yourself or, you know, jump in and, and tell us about yourself, I always just like to start the show with um, the way that I see the guest and kind of without looking at like your bio or what you want me to say or what your job title is, but just really the way that I genuinely see you. And Aid and I have kind of like, you're just one of those names that's been in my circle. We have a lot of interconnected people. We run in a lot of the same circles and I just was always seeing your work and the way that I think of Vibe with Aid is this like very welcoming, inviting energy that's kind of like, we're having a party over here and like everyone gets to come in. And there's also this like very strong sense of empowerment, of like feeling empowered to create your community and to build your community and to show up authentically as who you are and, and be proud of yourself. So I know that you're a coach and I know that you are a, a festival influencer and content creator. So um, those are all the ways that I love to see you. And I got to meet you at fruition and hang out with you in real life. So welcome, Aid. Um, please tell us who are you today and how do you like to be seen? Yes. Well, I love everything you said and words of affirmation is like my love language. So it's always <laughs> amazing to like hear how other people see me. Um, and yes, fruition was amazing to finally like connect because again, we have similar circles. Um, but as I see myself, you know, the welcoming energy is definitely there. I am a triple earth sign that I so heavily mm. like embody, <laughs> which is a Taurus sun, Virgo moon, Capricorn rising, like all of that earth energy right there. Wow. And that really has transcended into how I show up online. And another part to that has been diving into like my human design, which is a generator, which just mm. like, I think has led me down the festival path, has led me down the content creating path and has led me to the coaching path, right? Um, oh. And I really have channeled what lights me up into those brands and into that content to not only help people be able to do the same things, but also be inspired by it, be empowered by it. So you nailed it like right on the head in that, <laughs> that I really have tapped into here's these experiences that you can dive into and here's how you can prepare for them. But more recently with the coaching business, it was like, okay, festivals is great. I, I will always help you prepare for those things and whatnot. But like, what about life? What about like the bigger picture here? You know, I've definitely learned a lot in my time that I felt like I wanted to just put somewhere, you know? Yeah. 
And all of my clients have come from Vibe with AIDS. So I'm so grateful for that experience and being able to be a part of it. But I really am leaning into this next chapter, which is, uh, you know, fulfillment, coaching, life coaching, helping women just Mm -hmm. like show up and thrive and figure out all the things there is to life and doing it together. Mm, I love it. It sounds almost like, okay, festivals festivals are their own amazing container how do we like integrate what happens when we get home and bring that into our lifestyle exactly how do you feel good inside of a festival how can you bring that feeling out into life as well because the whole idea of escapism you know we use these events to escape which is great you know that's your intention that was definitely mine at one point but i didn't want to have to have that Monday dread of like, oh, I have to go back to my life. I wanted it to feel like, oh, I get to go back to my life, like, Mm. and bring this energy there, you know? Um, And it's exactly how I felt leaving fruition. And that's why I was just loved that experience. And now I'm like, okay, I want to go to all the retreats. (laughs) Yes, yes. And, and that's really what I love, like, between festivals, retreats, all of these different kind of intentional events that we go to. It's like setting this container for like a utopic, heavenly, childlike, Mm -hmm. exciting, free place. And then instead of being like, oh, it's over, we're like, okay, what parts of that can I integrate into my real life? And how can we live a life that is more like these amazing experiences? So I love that. I love that that's the direction you're heading in. And so I was going to ask you more about vibe with aid, but it sounds like you're going through a similar thing as to me where like, I'm letting go of Jane of 801. Like that is in the past. And I am like really focused on like these new things that I'm creating. Is that kind of what you're going through too? Yeah, honestly, uh, I love vibe with aid. I see it as my personal project, my testing ground, you know, and that's where I grew my love for content and being able to storytell. So I will always still show up there, maybe more just personal, not so strategy driven, right? Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. um, really gearing more towards the life fulfillment and the coaching is like where I'm going to shift more energy into, which honestly came through during the cacao ceremony, which was, (laughs) I know, transformative for you. And it was definitely (laughs) transformative for me. In that, that's where my heart is really centered in right now. So it's going to take time to like shift it because it's something I've been working on for five years, but I'm excited to find a balance, right? But kind of shift more of the energy where I feel it going. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I think you and I were the ones that were crying during the cacao (laughs) ceremony. I'm like, I think we were the two that like really got our little hearts opened. Um, Yeah, I wanted to get into a little bit about fruition because, um, you know, when we got there and we were kind of setting up the bar and everything, I was like, oh, there's like nothing here for people who like might not want to drink. And then I went, well, Jane, you're probably the only one who isn't going to want to drink because that's usually me. (laughs) And then Aid comes in and is like, oh, I'm not drinking. And I was like, me neither. (laughs) Like little hard eyes towards each other. Yeah. (laughs) And you were so proud. You said that you hadn't had a drink in what was it, three months, something like that? Yeah, it'll be four months in a couple days. So yeah, it's about three and a half months at that point. Congratulations. And I'm just so curious about, you know, the first question is always what brought you to that decision and what was your intention behind that? It's a long story, I feel like, but in a sense, I've always 
had periods of quitting. I've always mm-hmm. had periods like, you know, the beginning of the year while I'm like working out to slim down for summer, you know, let's go sober for a little bit. And then I would always come back to it right over the past couple of years. But there was a defining moment before my 27th birthday that I was hungover for two days because mm. as we'll get into, you know, when I have a little, I take it even further, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I have that feeling of like, oh, I can drink a little more. Oh, well, I'll drink a little more. Mm. And that led to a two day hangover a weekend before my 27th birthday. And I was just like, I can't do it. I, mm-hmm. I just can't do this to myself anymore. I can't do this to my body anymore. And for May to June, I did the whole, I'll have a drink, you know, and I had a supportive partner that helped me with that, um, to kind of keep me in check. But, you know, when we got to festivals, I didn't drink at all. And I was like, you know what, this is not that bad. And Mm. it it feels this time around that something has finally clicked. (laughs) And Mm. I've, I've dug a little bit to figure out what is the mechanics behind all of that. But this time just feels different and I don't really have an end date to it, but it really did start from that two day hangover that I was just like, Nope, I cannot do this to myself anymore. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I, I resonate so much. And, um, I told aid at fruition, like, this is a conversation I've been wanting to have on my show for so long. And I've just been kind of looking for the right person out of the conversation with, because I was so similar, like, Throughout my whole mental health journey, I would have, I would take a month to be sober and to just experiment with that. And my first month I spent in Nepal, I was totally sober and like meditating all the time and like just feeling so tuned in. And even like, um, like I poured a coffee before this and I even started to feel like coffee doesn't get to be included because you realize, you start to realize how stimulating all of these different things are Mm -hmm. when you focus more on sobering up from just kind of all the things that are in our society, you know, and um, kind of living like a monk uh, when I did taught me a little bit about that. And I just got more curious about like, for me, it was never about like, I need to be sober and I can never drink or do any of these other things. But it was more like, whenever I feel like I need to, I'm just going to give myself that opportunity of like, Mm -hmm. okay, 30 days, you know, couple of Mm -hmm. months. And now I'm at a place in my life where like, I had so many you know, like, yeah, I'll have a glass of wine with my family or like, sure, I'll have a beer with a friend. And the next day, my energy just feels so off. I don't feel very clear with my clients. My meditations feel sluggish. And I'm just like, just why? Just like, Mm -hmm. you don't even like it that much. Like, why do you keep on messing with your energy and kind of um, lowering just like your own energetic standards every time you drink? And now I'm in a place where the only thing I like is whiskey and scotch. And I will get like lately I'm getting there like it might be this weekend it might be next when I'm like mama needs a scotch we're just gonna have one and it's so delicious and so wonderful to have one drink and then the next day I don't even you know feel that much of it because it's just you know the first time in months so I wanted to know how you identify with the word sober curious because that's something that's been like kind of popular in our generation, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it is exploring life without alcohol, mm-hmm. without having this um, thing. I don't know what to call it. It's not a substance, but without having that present in your life, because mm-hmm. 
so much of our life is centered around it, right? Whether it's having it with dinner or going out with friends or whatever, it's totally centered in a lot of the things that we experience once we become, you know, 21. Um, but even then people drink before 21, but mm-hmm. <laughs> for me, um, it really is being curious about what life is like without that, how your body feels, how your mindset feels, and just how you feel overall in life, uh, without it. You know, and it's, it's so interesting to me that we need this term <laughs> to like mm-hmm. hold on to because, the more that I think about it, the more I have these conversations with people. And I was even raised in a really conservative state, but still, mm-hmm. like we started drinking when we were 17 and it was so normalized to just drink, especially once you turned 21. I was going to the bars yeah. all the time, drinking so much, drinking every night. And it was just so normal. And even in my travels this summer, I've realized soon as you arrive at a place, your host is going to ask you what you want to drink. They're going to get the amount of bottles of wine I've been given in the last <laughs> year that I don't want, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and just this crazy normalization of drinking to the point where when I started telling like my family and even friends at bars, like, oh, I'm not drinking tonight. It was this kind of like, are you, why are you okay? What's going on? Why don't you just have are a drink? Are you pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, And that's the other interesting thing. And I saw this, I don't know where I saw this. It's just like this fact I'm recalling, but our generation is more sober curious than any generation ever before. But it's not because we're all alcoholics. It's like, because most of us actually are not. And and I think that's the interesting difference. Mm -hmm. If someone says, I don't drink, the immediate assumption is like, oh, you must have a problem with the stuff. And it can never be the assumption of like, oh, you must not like alcohol. (laughs) Because who doesn't (laughs) like alcohol? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I wonder how like kind of the normalization of alcohol has like influenced you in your journey. Yeah, I mean, I went to one of the biggest party schools in America. I went to Arizona State University. (laughs) That's what Um, I thought you were going to (laughs) say. It lives. I should have quizzed you. I was like, what what college did you think I went to? Yeah, yeah, that's what I would have said. Um, I was born and raised in Arizona and I was like goody two shoes in high school. You know, I didn't go to any of the parties. I honestly wasn't invited to any of the parties, but (laughs) (laughs) I think I drank maybe once homecoming night or something and maybe once prom. Um, but I don't remember too much of those experiences, not from like blacking out. They're just not core memories in my Mm -hmm. head, honestly. But when I started going to Arizona State, I um, immediately felt that culture there of Mm -hmm. just, uh, especially if you're in Greek life, which I joined a sorority. So that was like, you know, the thing to do, going to frat parties and going to all of these events and whatnot. And I started exploring with that just because I wanted the college experience. You know, that's what I've seen in movies, what I've seen in TV, like I have to go to these frat parties. It's what's the thing to do. And I also think being an only child has also contributed to this, that mm-hmm. like, I've, I'm just the one kind of figuring it out because I don't have a sibling keeping me in check or I don't have anything to learn from other than TV, social media, culture, pop culture. Interesting. And I think that contributed to a lot of it because I was in an environment where I'm extremely um, influenced, right? And 
that was the thing of, you know, when I was 21, we were going out every single night and we were going to festivals and raves, which like, I didn't really drink much at those anyway, but you know, my senior year, I was going out multiple nights out of the night and thinking that this was the thing to do. And the hangovers weren't as bad then. So I didn't really think about (laughs) the implications of what was going on other than like, I was gaining weight. Um, Mm -hmm. I gained a lot of weight from that, but I didn't really, um, connect the two in that way because we weren't really taught the consequences of binge drinking and binge eating and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It was just so normalized and not spoken about when I was going to school. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so then you're just like, huh, this like vibration that we're all feeding into is just Mm -hmm. normal. And no one's thinking about how they might feel better without it. I think that's just what's so fascinating about this. So I'm curious of what it was like when you went from all of this partying and especially being in rave situations and being in these places where there's a lot going on and and choosing to be sober. How was that received? Was that easy for you or was it a challenge? I think it was more so within myself the acceptance of it, because I, I've really done a lot of the inner work as to like, why do I need alcohol? Like, what, mm-hmm. what is this really doing for me? And mm-hmm. because of my grounded nature, I tend to get the comment that I come off as intimidating or mm-hmm. that I, can I cuss? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I just always check. I know that was probably a yes, but that's just like a knee jerk <laughs> check. Um, but I always get the backhanded compliment of you seemed like a real bitch until I met you and got to know oh. you. So alcohol in a way was for me to diffuse that shield, right? Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. allowed me to come off as the fire sign, vibrant energy, right? Whatever, the outgoing mm-hmm. energy. So I think it was a lot of like coming to terms with myself that like, I don't need alcohol to be like this. And if someone thinks like that, then they don't get to come in my circle to begin with, because if they're not willing to maybe look past the resting bitch face or whatever, like, (laughs) then I don't really need them in my life. (laughs) So that was part of that. But I got, I was met with you know, the utmost support from friends, from family, you know, and Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a sit down conversation. It was just more so like, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, my friends, when we do go out, they'll, whenever they go to the bar, they grab me a mocktail. Like they ask the bartender, like make your best mocktail for my friends. And that means the world to me to just, it's like the little thing, right. But it means so much to have that. Um, cause I know for some people it's so hard, Um, even getting that right. So I'm really grateful that it's been nothing but support. And it has been hard in the sense of like, those days where I'm like, man, I could just really use a margarita right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that sense, it's been about finding other ways to cope with that, you know, cope with the stress or cope with the sadness or whatever I might be feeling that alcohol Mm -hmm. used to numb or deflect from. I love the way you put all of that so much the way that I like to, I always like to, you know, Oh, I, this comes up in my work with my clients a lot is that they start to become sober curious. And I think that just when you're walking on the spiritual path, which all of my clients are, you start to want to 
just take better care of your energy and you start to notice the way that different foods and alcohols and people yeah. and TV and just the ways that different things are influencing you. And they start to say things like, Jane, I just, I want to go clubbing this weekend, but I like don't want to drink. Or, you know, like I just want to like quit smoking weed or I just want to, you know. And the way that I love to visualize that is like, it, it's not about quitting forever. It's about taking a break from it. And the way that I like to think of it is like, I grew up in the mountains and I would go in my backyard and I would pick up logs and under the log, there would be like all these bugs running around. <laughs> that's like, that's what I see in my head when you're talking yeah. about like, I really wanted that margarita, but instead you had to like pick up the log and see what was underneath that. Like what was underneath the desire for the margarita? Like, yeah what feelings were there that weren't being tended to all the little bugs are scurrying out and you have to like deal with them in a different way and maybe maybe you end up taking on some other terrible habit but the idea is that you're hoping to find something more whole to really make yourself feel better and then if you do want to drink or smoke or whatever it is that you're taking a break from that you're doing it from like an empowered celebratory like I'm enjoying this there's intention yeah type of place and I think that that to me is more sober curiosity than just like cutting something out and then punishing yourself for ever wanting it exactly yeah and I think there's a lot of work to be done with it right but something that mm -hmm. I have noticed is like the longer I go without it the longer my list of pros has become yeah. Um, and also just that evidence of like, oh, no one is going to bug me when I don't get a drink or like all of the, we tell ourselves all these stories of like, oh, like someone's gonna give me crap for it or whatever. And I've come to find out that that doesn't even happen, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. or I brush it off. Right. I have gotten mm -hmm. the, oh, we're pregnant comment and I just brushed it off. I'm like, nope, I'm not <laughs> pregnant, but you know, I've, I've also been focusing a lot on gut, gut health and mm. hormone health mm -hmm. and all of these things. And mm -hmm. even just noticing that my periods are better without it just gives wow. me peace of mind. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I, I agree with that, that when you start focusing more on how you are feeling, you can start to notice when alcohol plays a part. And like I said, I don't have an end date, but if, mm -hmm. if I do have that feeling of like, you know what, I deserve one drink, right? What mm -hmm. you said about having that intention and holding that intention, right? Feels mm -hmm. better to me too, even. And yeah. I can also plan for it, right? So even for you, if you want to have that scotch, right? And maybe <laughs> have one or two, maybe just know that like, you're not going to have client calls the next mm -hmm. day, right? Exactly. And like, I would do the same. I would book out <laughs> my calendar for that day if I decided yeah. I wanted a night to just yeah. enjoy a drink. So I think there's that intentionality too with it that can help sober curious people with it um, to like plan better for it when you do want to have those moments, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm very much like I will never live a restricted lifestyle. That's just like a huge value of mine that I'm, I'm, I actually would like to say yes to more things because I spent so much of my life like trying to be so perfect and restricting so much. Yeah. And so that's what I love about this conversation that is that it's like when you want to enjoy something, really enjoy it, really enjoy it. Because I just remember there was a time when 
I just would get off of work and I would just go to the fridge and crack open a beer and then who knows how many I was having that night and how that was affecting and I love that you bring up gut health because I swear that is the reason I cannot drink wine <laughs> like it just destroys me like I feel so yucky yeah. the next day and it's so normalized and I think for me I actually I had a lot of resistance um, trying to quit drinking which was really interesting and I finally have gotten to a point where everybody around me knows that I'm probably absolutely going to say no and even at fruition my assistant kept on picking me up Pellegrinos because like that's <laughs> my drink of choice yeah. and so if so there's someone listening who's like maybe living in a strong drinking culture or a family that drinks a lot friends that drink a lot and they're feeling like they want to take a break from it what would your advice be to them I think you have to become really firm in why you want to do it because that will not only help you, but it will also help others understand why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And another thing that also is a hack, kind of a little hack that someone told me, um, it's the idea about identity, right? So like mm -hmm. identifying as sober curious, right? But even just saying, I'm not a drinker or something that could be mm -hmm. something even more permanent than saying I'm not drinking for right now. Right. Mm -hmm. When we attach it to the identity, I feel like people don't question it as much, mm -hmm. but when we just say like, I'm not drinking, then people tend to question it. Oh, why not? Or whatever. So I've even been mm -hmm. testing out that theory and that's been also helping and not been getting as many questions. But I think as long as you maybe identify, right. Why you're going to do it and how you're going to do it, maybe have some type of plan for yourself and identify like, okay, I'm going to cut back on drinking or I want to cut it out entirely. That way you're able to then communicate it to your loved ones and hopefully they can understand. Um, and if you talk about it on a human level too, even right, like I just don't feel my best when doing it, things like that. I hope that the loved ones in your life will understand and support you with that. Mm -hmm. that you just need to do something for yourself and take care of yourself and kind of explore what it's like to not have alcohol. Mm -hmm. And if you are met with some of that unsupport, I always say then it's probably best to distance yourself from them because mm -hmm. they don't have your true best interest at heart, honestly, mm -hmm. which I know can be hard, especially for family, but yeah. it's just one of those things where if they're not going to support you and guide you with that, then, um, I don't know. It's best to distance yourself as best, as best as you can. That's the best thing I can say with being nice about it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, I like um, to say like, those are not the people on your team. That's exactly. You know, yeah. Easy way to look at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then what if I'm curious, just kind of some of your go-tos, maybe some of your self-care practices for when you, you know, you are wanting a drink, but you're choosing not to because you know that you would be, you know, using it to numb or to cope. Like, yeah. what have you found yourself doing instead? Crying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Feeling what I need to feel, crying or talking to partner or mom or whoever. Mm. Um, also, just sometimes like going to bed just like mm. leaving it for what it is and mm. just like going to bed and kind of resetting. Um, 
I haven't found journaling as much with that, but it's more so like feeling what I need to feel doing something else instead. Or Mm -hmm. I do have a late night yoga, like that goes at 8 30 PM. So like, if I am feeling that I'll, I'll go to hot yoga and kind of sweat it out. And Mm -hmm. usually that helps me release in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say usually like, those are some of the things. And like, even tonight I am going to a show and like music is my therapy, you know, in that way. And I don't feel Mm -hmm. the pressure to drink. So like I told myself it's been a long week. I deserve to like dance it out tonight. So I'm going to go to a show, Mm -hmm. you know? So I kind of try a little bit of different things depending on how I'm feeling. Those are such good answers. Like cry. That's like the, you know, (laughs) and that's what I mean about like lifting up what's underneath the drinking and all the bugs run out. Like a lot of times it's a lot of feelings that you don't want to face or that, you know, you want to cover up. And I think um, for me, just the longer I go without any alcohol in my system. And I've noticed that even now, like if I do drink this weekend, it, it just clears right out of my system so much more quickly because I'm not detoxing anything and detoxing is like a whole other conversation, but my energy just feels more clear every day. And obviously that's like a huge priority to me. And I, Mm -hmm. I wonder because I'm, I'm kind of getting towards the more spiritual side of our conversation. How has your sober curious journey helped you feel more in touch with your, your spiritual self? I mean, clarity, just having a clearer vision, clearer mindset. Like I'm able to just come more clearly to that and tap into that a lot more Um, and having the energy for it. Right. And, you know, coaching people and clients, right. We need to be in that energy and that embodiment to help Mm -hmm. serve. So Mm -hmm. I, I just think the biggest thing is clarity for me and feeling like I am able to do what I need to do and step up and do what I need to do. Because as you know, (laughs) being in this role that we are, there's constant level ups happening, like multiple times out of the year Mm -hmm. (laughs) that requires being in tune spiritually and being in tune with what you need to do to ride the wave and keep going. So it's definitely... It's always a roller coaster over here, but I definitely try my best (laughs) to keep going and to ride it out um, with each kind of like level up or thing that tends to happen. Yeah, I love that. It's like it's a level of integrity that you're holding yourself to as a leader and as a coach and as a guide for others. And I think that, you know, something I've been preaching on online a lot lately is like just devotion to your own discipline and like devotion to feeling better. And, you know, if you're always anxious and your belly always hurts and you're having all these symptoms, but then you're not looking at the actions you're taking and the habits that you have and not willing to make change, then you're going to keep feeling that way. And I think that as an embodied leader that you are, I just admire and respect so much that you're like, I need to be in my highest integrity. I need to make sure that I'm leveling up and listening to myself. And you're also so gentle and loving towards yourself. And I just appreciate that so much. And I'm so grateful that you are a leader and a guide for so many people. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have been very hard on myself in the past. It's definitely something, you know, more recently that I've been approaching with more grace and just Mm -hmm. compassion for myself and being that permission slip for others. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I shared a quote with my clients this week, like you just need to take one step. You don't need to 
do the whole staircase. Right. So that's kind of how I've taken just everything in my life, whether it's sober curiosity and not drinking or just being kinder to myself or mm-hmm. that discipline as well. Yeah. Um, cause I'm not perfect by any means. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I definitely, um, have tried my best to be a lot kinder to myself and it feels really great to kind of be on the bestie side of things with myself versus mm-hmm. being at war, which I used to feel like. Girl, I feel that so much. And I think that's, that's what I love to see that like gentleness reflected in you and like, like choosing not to drink is so loving towards yourself. And then also saying, I really want to drink and I'm going to let like, that's also so loving. And it's been such a journey for me also of being like, like, how can I gently love myself and not be a constant bitch to myself all the time? (laughs) Literally. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, I have the final two questions of the new podcast are, how do you identify with the words spiritual and how do you identify with the word queer, if at all, what comes up for you when I ask you that? With the word spiritual, what comes to mind with me is just not only within yourself, right. And how you feel and how you embody and be connected to yourself and have practices to support you, but also how you play within the world and play within Mm. the universe. And, um, it was really interesting before this, I was watching, I'm studying human design because I'm Mm. just so fascinated by it. And I watched the generator video And she defined one of our energies as like a dance with the universe. And I wholeheartedly related to that because that's how I feel. (laughs) Um, Even when I set tangible goals, like I usually will not meet them because I will either meet them in a year or three years. Like I kind Mm. of just let the universe tell me when it's time for that. So that's Mm. how I view it is like this dance with the universe and with myself. Um, That's been a really beautiful journey in that way. And then as for the word queer, um, I do identify as straight. However, I uh, have so many friends that I celebrate every day and I definitely Mm -hmm. represent as an ally. Um, You know, I have family that are queer. I have friends that are queer. So I just always have seen it as this just appreciation for yourself and also just this acceptance of yourself and just being so bold and brave to embody that, which I think is just a beautiful thing to see that I've always seen with friends. And like I said, family, I am very much happy to support that. Mm. Well, and something that I love, I'm I'm not a raver, but I have so many raver friends and (laughs) it's, it's so funny, but, um, something that I love about the raving community is that to me, it's like the most queer friendly place that you could be because it's so aligned with this whole idea of like unity, love, respect, like being authentic, expressing who you are and like really letting your, your inner soul show on the outside. And, and so mm-hmm. I just feel like y'all have created such a safe space in your community. And I feel lucky to be connected to all of you. And um, Aid, for people that are listening that want to learn more about you, tell us how to find you on Instagram and everything that you're offering, anything that we can yeah. do to come hang out with you. Yeah, of course. Um, so you can 
can find me on Instagram at vibe with aid. That was the festival content pages we were talking about, but that's on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. So if you want to go to your first festival and need some tips, I definitely got you there. As for my coaching work, I am a life fulfillment coach. So I do help women find more fulfillment in their day to day and their life. Um, I do have a couple one-on-one spots opening end of year. So if you have something that you're wanting to put into motion, um, whether it be a certain goal or thing, or just overall feeling, or you want to go into 2023 feeling like so empowered and ready, I'm here for you. You can look at my Instagram at find your vibe one, one, one for when I post those details. And there may be a couple master classes coming up at the end of this year. And then next year there'll be lots coming. Uh, so if you want to play in my world and everything, definitely just follow me on Instagram to stay in touch with all of that. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. And if anyone felt inspired by AIDS story or just by her vibe or anything, I'm sure she would love to hear from you. Reach out to her, say hello and get connected with her because you've got a pretty cool community that you're building. And I'm so grateful that you came to be on the show and talk to us about your experience. Yeah, everyone go follow AID and thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Of course, of course. Thank you for listening, everybody. We love you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope it felt inspiring to your being. Please share this show with someone who you think might need to hear this message today. Spread the love and spread the light. And if you really loved it, you can leave us a rating and a review so that even more cool homies can tune into this show as well. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one or joining one of my programs like Sunrise or Sanctuary, check out my website, janelion.me. Links are all in the show notes. May you go into the world today and be more kind, more compassionate, and more loving towards yourself and others than you were yesterday. And I love you. And I cannot wait to see you for the next episode.